Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me as always are my co-host, Mr. 100% Chuck Bailey and super producer Ian Stimson. We'll start things off as we always do with our favorite segment, Rapid, Rapid, Rapid Fire News. Do-do-do-do-do. Our top story, Liverpool drop points at home. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Next up, we have listener stuff. No questions. Great FPL. We did good one week, not great the other week. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Chuck's genuinely happy with that. Down, down. That's it. That was a good pod. Episode 98 in the books, gentlemen. <laughs> well done, everyone. Well done. Good show, guys. Good show, everyone. Um, Rocket League's been fun, hasn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's been good. I haven't had a chance to play with you guys that much recently, so yeah, that's been fun. The fifth anniversary event was good. I got some cool tires and a nice yeah. skin for my car. Uh, it's good we, have talk, we have to talk about football, don't we? I guess we should. We've only got three episodes to go. Come on. What? Till forever? Done. Maybe. Thank fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God this little experiment is over. <laughs> Jesus All we God. wanted was a hundred. I'm not. I don't have a contract extension beyond that. You know? <laughs> You're the Willian of podcasting. I'm the Willian of podcasting. That's right. I even have the Afro going. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, so let's just jump into it. Actually, as we like to do, we're bringing it back. I think for the first time in the season plus super season fighter ultra. <laughs> yep. Exactly. That is with rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. It won't be rapid. Our top story. It won't be rapid today. There's not a chance of it being rapid today. <laughs> As opposed to half, every other first day. Half, first half of the podcast news. Yeah, that's more like it. Yeah, go on. Impending ominous organ sound. With a fourth in there, please, Ian. Thanks a lot. Oh, Ian, do we have the rights to the funerary march, or do we need to... Is that... Plagal cadence. <laughs> All right, well, let's actually get into the rapid-fire news. Our top story, we're starting off with the big story, obviously. Pep is officially leaving City next year, gentlemen. That's right, Pep Clotet. Clo- I don't know how to pronounce it. Has <laughs> left... Brilliant. What up, what up for fucking that one up? <laughs> Clotet? How do you say it? I don't know. Pep Clotet. All right, Pep. well... Uh, Birmingham City pop Pep Clote has left the club after Wednesday's 3-1 defeat by Swansea City. The Spaniard, 43, was set to leave the championship side at the end of the season, but said it was mutually agreed that he would step down immediately. She's like, I can't even be asked to get another two, three games in. I just, just guys, just, I just want to leave the Midlands. (laughs) Don't even put up a pretense, Chuck. We don't need to cover this news story. It was just so as he could crowbar his little joke in. Oscar Dana joke. (laughs) That's what that was. I mean, it's not even my joke. I stole it off someone on Twitter. <laughs> Pep but, you know, City, yeah. <laughs> Pep Leaves City, good headline. All right, let's get to the actual City headline, the one that is the big, genuinely big news story this week. Manchester City have had their two-year ban from the Champions League or European competitions overturned on their appeal to the Court of Arbitration. They were cleared by the CAS of disguising equity funds as sponsorship contributions, although... That's not actually what happened. What happened is that the evidence was either inadmissible or too old. No one is saying they didn't do the thing. They just got off on a bunch of legal technical... Oh, they are. Man City Twitter is definitely saying that they are fully absolved of guilt. We're never guilty. And uh, what are you even looking at? Look over there. Just OJ the shit. Just own it. Just just yeah. know you've done the issue. Just own it. Bring out a book. Here's how we cheated the yeah. UFO and here's how yeah. you can do it too. Prey on their inadequacies to dot the T's. 
cross the eyes and all that bollocks. <laughs> That's probably what, yeah. Yeah, as long as it takes them five years to get through the evidence in the courts, then you're all set because there's a really short statute of limitations, apparently. UEFA shot themselves in the Which face on that set. one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. So as you say, most of the evidence was either inadmissible or time-barred, they, they called it, which is because UEFA have set their own rule that after five years, it all goes away. Which is... Di- Go like, quicker, so guys. Stupid. Go quicker. Move a bit, move a bit quicker. <laughs> move a bit quicker. I wonder when the five years was up. Because, like, did it just mean that basically if City appealed, no matter what, they were good because <laughs> of the time frame? I think it could most of these things in 2014, so it was last year. So we should have known this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all just too old anyway. Jesus Christ. I can't decide if I'm angrier that they actually got off on like legal technicality loophole bullshit or that the decision was to reduce the fine. Not only did they get the ban lifted, they reduced the fine. It didn't get worse. To 10 million, uh, which I saw someone tweet that Sheikh Mansour makes like... I don't know, five hundred thousand an hour or some insane amount of money off of his wealth. One hundred and fifteen thousand pounds a minute. There you go. So if they got fined at seven a.m., the fine would be paid off by like breakfast, basically. In the in the course of a ninety-minute football game, he has made back the ten million fine. <laughs> he yeah. personally does, yeah, exactly. But Man City will make fifteen million from the group stages of next year's Champions League. So before they even get into the knockouts, they'll have made that money back. In UEFA's own competition. You couldn't write this fucking shit, honestly. Well, I don't know, you couldn't write it. I'm pretty sure I predicted it. You did, actually. You did, you did actually, yeah. Yeah, we got to give you credit. Although you I'll... said they were just going to bribe and pay everyone off, which isn't even what they fucking did. Which they probably done. Well, they maybe. Probably done under the counter. Maybe they bribed them to take a long time to process the evidence. <laughs> Look, as a Chelsea fan, I'm really pissed off for two reasons. Oh, fuck off. You've had your own go at UEFA recently, so... Well, yeah, now. exactly. Everyone else gets off with a fucking slap on the wrist except Chelsea. I'm not denying that we did the things that we got in trouble for, obviously. But Ma- like I complained about it at the time that Madrid and Barca and PSG and Bayern had all gotten away with the same fucking thing and gotten no kind of penalty. We get a two-window transfer ban. And then City comes in and it's not the same offenses. And I get that there's like legal admissible, inadmissible evidence and blah, blah, blah. But like, fuck, man. It's hard not to feel aggravated that Chelsea are the only fucking club that actually get any sort of real penalty that you can't pay off in 90 minutes compared to every other club. Like... And yes, the transfer ban worked out as a blessing in disguise, but that doesn't change the fact that I f- that it feels like we're getting targeted more than other clubs. You still had a signing arrive in that window, which was Pulisic, mm-hmm. and you could then <laughs> we signed him in January and loaned him back. That's what we do. Yeah, but he still arrived, and then uh, <laughs> you signed more players, and you've got more players coming. So coming now. Well, also Chelsea made an absolutely amateur hour mistake in that you didn't impede the investigation you've got to impede the investigation wherever possible just shut barriers doors, shred Put documents barriers. Get, you didn't impede the investigation that's delete, what you should have delete, done delete delete <laughs> that's what you got to do man that's really what you got to do apparently is just slow it down long enough that the courts are like yeah fuck it this took too long we're done with this exactly. it's over hashtag admin this obviously does have massive implications Within the league, and we'll talk a lot more about that during the fixtures segment, but there is officially a top four race on now. It's not three spots for three teams with Leicester City and United needing to make top five. It is now three spots for two teams. Um, So how are you guys feeling about that? It does add a little bit of spice with three games left to go, right? 
Just to put in a correction there, two spots for three teams. Three spots for two teams is probably quite beneficial, Oscar. <laughs> your case. And uh, secondary correction, you say it is a race for the top four. It is a stumble for the top four for all of well, these teams. Sure, but it is nice to have something to sort of like, I mean, not as a Chelsea fan. I like that we had it in the fucking bag at 99%, but, you know, it is nice as a, for the neutrals that there's like something yeah, exciting it happening. Is. It is. It's always nice to have something to watch games for other than it being Watford, Newcastle or whatever fuck shit I watched the other week. Um, I think the ramifications for this are probably a bit wider than that just in the short term for Man City, just from a footballing point of view, because they are going to be able to keep players now that probably weren't going to stay if they didn't have Champions League football. Yeah, I bet a lot of them have that in their contracts too. Yeah, probably. They're going to keep Pep now if he wants to stay, and I presume he suddenly does. And now, does FFP even matter at all? It's been relaxed anyway because of coronavirus, hasn't it? So, mm-hmm. uh, And the fact that it looks like you can just get away with it if you impede <laughs> the investigation as long as possible. So in the sort of shortish term for Man City, they're going to go out and spend some money now, some serious money on some defenders. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to put a lot of the rest of the league in trouble. I think Liverpool have got a look look over their shoulder now because Man City are going to be back next year with a bang. And if Chelsea get their shit together and buy some defenders instead of just buying attacking players <laughs> over and over and over again, like Liverpool uh, might be sorry. looking at fourth place uh, next year. Easily. Uh, it's in the even, cards. Yeah, I couldn't even make it through the sentence without laughing Chelsea yeah. buying defenders. <laughs> Thanks. I do wonder what this does in terms of FFP, not just for City, but for other clubs as well. Like, are Chelsea just going to sell off the loan army? There's that weird loan rule coming in anyway, where you're not allowed to have, like, more than five players on loan or whatever. But, like, the whole fucking point of the loan army was that it was a loophole of sorts or a fairly constructed and intelligent system, if you ask me, for getting (laughs) around FFP because you generate revenue by investing in a million young players, loaning them out, and then selling the good ones, like... They have been doing for years, but like now, is this going to be a one-off thing because of the whole like five years window where it's like, you got away with it, lucky you, but we're still going to continue to pursue this as a thing in the future? Or does every club look at this and is like, fuck FFP, this is a joke, we're going to do whatever we want? Well, I'd love to think it was a one-off thing, except that PSG did exactly the same thing, just got a time-barred sort of thing, go for it. Uh, Milan also got the same Mm. thing, got off on sort of technicalities. Um, FFP is such a weird one because it's got its good sides and its bad sides. It was brought in because even other than the absolute top European clubs, no other club was profitable, you know, other other than your sort of Man United's. And I mean that, like other than your Man United's in this country, there was not many clubs that were profitable, even though other clubs were getting into the Champions League all the time. But... It also was flawed in that by doing that thing of you can't spend, you know, more than your turnover sort of thing, it means that you're putting the state, you're keeping the status quo exactly as it is. Yeah, exactly. You you could never have, um, I mean, let's be ridiculous and look at Peterborough. So, like, we haven't got, we're not a well supported club. Now, we're lucky in that we seem to have a good scouting network and we get players from non-league and we sell them on for good money. But for, apart from that, if we had a wealthy benefactor come in who wanted to make Peterborough into something, with if you were strictly keeping to FFP, you wouldn't be able to do that because Peterborough get 6,000 people through the door. 
So right, exactly. It, it, yeah. they'll, they'd never be able to spend any any proper money. So, I mean, that's a sort of ridiculous example, but but it, it's got its good and its bad side. But its good side being that you, top European clubs have become profitable now. Like, the, the, yes. that it's really improved things on the books. <laughs> it's really improved things. So... It's such swings and roundabouts. I've heard various things, people saying it's completely dead in the water and other people saying, you know, well, this is just what's always, what's been going on with PSG and Milan and stuff for ages anyway. So I don't know. I do wonder how this would affect like for a much, much more tangible current example, the Newcastle deal that has been Mm. in the works for forever. Like if I'm an oil baron buying a team and FFP looks like it's much weaker now, if not completely thrown out, like. I'm like, oh, this is my chance. I can take Newcastle and make them a PSG, make them a Chelsea, make them a Man City. Like, all these teams that in the last 15 years have come up that weren't – like, Newcastle has more history than Chelsea did or City did, for example, Mm. right? Like, so it's not unfeasible that they could be the next one of those. But FFP was, I think, part of the stumbling block there or part of keeping that from happening. Because, like, when they first announced FFP on the, like, the PR version of it, or the explicit thing of it was to help small clubs from going out of business and prevent them from making bad decisions. Like, that's what they said it was. But in reality, it was, like you said, Ian, to make the status quo, to make it so that there can't be a new PSG. There can't be a new Chelsea. There can't be a new Man City. It's like, these are the teams that are big now, and they are the only teams that can stay big because the way you go from a Chelsea or a Newcastle or, you know, even a Palace, Chuck, at some point down the line, you never know. They're a London club, right? So, like, they have good real estate. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chuck's dream is that Selhurst Park just gets sold off to developers. <laughs> <laughs> Been trying to build a new... I just want Sainsbury's out. I just want... I just don't want the fact that we can't develop the stadium because we have a supermarket in one of the stands. Is that true? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and they own the car park. So it's like, <laughs> of course we have to they get do. It. They own yeah. the car park? That's so funny. Oh, yeah, man. I didn't know that. That's, That's fantastic. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chuck. Shit on your. <laughs> Good vibes. All right, well, let's move on then. I think that's enough about FFP and and the depressing state of you know UEFA and CAS and all that. And let's move on to Stands a story. For fucking forged payments. Yeah, yeah. nailed it. All right, um, <laughs> this is a story from the Athletic. Uh, so, although the last ninety-two fixtures of the Premier League campaign had to take place behind closed doors, at least all of them were shown on live TV. However, The Athletic has learned that this was a one-off move in light of the pandemic and that the Premier League will go back to its normal UK broadcast model next season, even though top flight stadiums are expected to remain at least partially shut. So how are you guys feeling about that? Uh, Money talks. We'll see what happens when we get to that point and people can't get in the stadium and the clubs need money and they want to broadcast more stuff. I think it's wait and see on that. It does seem like a very blinkered decision, doesn't it? Because, yeah, like you say, there's... There's money to be made, and the avenues to make money are brought down by not having match day revenue. So it seems it does seem a bit odd that Sky one. Sky driving up the price because they have everything anyway, don't they? They, you know, the vast majority, yeah. Like you said before, they have all of the network and the systems and everything in place. So you just everyone piggybacks off them if they if they want anything. So if they say no, no, nothing, then the other networks obviously have to up their prices a bit and it's kind of the same as the ffp side of it that 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 way they try to keep a bit of the status quo and at least it's under their control should then the three o'clock games start to get shown on tv and stuff well and imagine like the athletic piece talked about this a little bit like you're a season ticket holder 
who doesn't feel particularly safe or confident. Um, and so you, you know, sell your season ticket. You give up your seat for next season because the stadiums are going to be closed anyway. And it, the whole thing is going on. And you have this TV side of it where you can actually still watch the games. And then now all of a sudden they're going into next season saying that, like, you won't be able to. I would mm-hmm. be fucking livid. And there's quite a few people who did that exact same thing. Like, when they announced that a lot of that parts of next season, those stadiums were probably going to be closed anyway. I think a lot of people were like, well, between that and like just the safety issue, I'm just going to sell my tickets. Well, I don't think I've seen anything that any clubs are putting any season tickets up for sale yet. Apart from probably Newcastle, because Mike Ashley's a scumbag. But most of the clubs were just offering, well, you could either get a refund for the rest of the season ticket or you could choose to donate the money through various things, either charity, academy, stadium staff, those kind of things. But I I didn't think anyone was selling the, the season tickets for next year yet because it would be ridiculous. Like, you don't even know when it when the season's going to start. It's July and tons of clubs haven't said like what their kit would be for next year. I know Chelsea have changed theirs and there's a few other clubs that have kind of put some stuff out there about what they're wearing. But, you know, there's no changes of sponsors or anything like that yet. So It's like the old uh, proverb, though, isn't it? Of the tree falling in the forest if there's no one around to hear it. Who's going who's gonna to witness these results? How do we know... <laughs> And we know that they're going to happen. No one's <laughs> going to be watching them on TV. No one's going to be watching them in stands. Are we trusting journalists? Are we stru- trusting the mainstream media, really? Well, we'll be watching them on TV. Like, America still has our oh, TV. Oh, yeah, America. Right? America, good. Yeah, I'll you fill can, you guys yeah. in. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, let us know on the pod. That'd be lovely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you'll get your news from me. <laughs> we always uh, do. You know, big change for you guys watching every match anyway, right? Oh, well, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> that's the thing. I really enjoyed it. And while I was slagging off the fact that I had to watch Watford Newcastle the other day, I had nothing else to do, so I was watching what the Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> like, Better know. than staring at the wall, right? Yeah, exactly. The fuck shit derby, as you called it earlier. <laughs> Let's move on then. We have our next story. Uh, Jurgen Klopp sent Wycombe striker Akin Fenwana a special message. Did you guys see this? <laughs> Love it. On WhatsApp. Hey, bio Akin Fenwa, the beast. We stand. I'm assuming we stand. We've never actually explicitly talked about this, but like, right? Akin Fenwa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's wicked. Yeah, great. He's mate. amazing. Yeah. Great dude. I love him. All his, like, social media stuff. I'm like, you know what? Good for you, man. Like, be yourself. Fuck what everyone else <laughs> thinks. Like, you do your shit and do it true to your, like, do it for reals, you know? And I love that he was like, yo, Jurgen Klopp, hit me up on the WhatsApp, son. <laughs> and then, like, a few hours later, he had a video of him watching a message from Jurgen Klopp being like, ah, it's my dude, Jurgen Klopp, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, about one thirty in the morning on what looks like near to a high street, still wearing his Wickham shirt. Oh, what yeah. guy? <laughs> lad, lad, lad. <laughs> he was always a uh, he was always good value when I was working on Soccer AM because you could just if you were in need of a feature, you could just phone him up and go, "Can we get you a video of you lifting something heavy?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd like just bench press one of the crew or something. <laughs> just great value. Yeah, there is a lot of like racial issues around like pace and power and whatnot, but like. He's just straight yeah. up power. <laughs> there's, there's no question there about, like, is it because he's black? It's just because the dude is a fucking unit. Like, Jesus Christ. And he calls himself the Beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wears yeah, T-shirts. You know? He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, top man. So congrats to Wickham. Wickham or Wycombe? Wickham. I Wickham. want you to say Wycombe but I want all Wycombe. the time. I want <laughs> next so year we have Wycombe versus Norwich. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we do, we do, yeah. Shout out to them for being promoted, even though they were basically 23rd uh-huh. out of rank for pretty much most of the attacking stats. Uh, and that was in League One. <laughs> yeah. And the 24th team, I believe, was Berry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might have to change Burnley of the Week to Wycombe of the Week. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> 
man. Yeah. All right. Well, from the funny stuff to a couple of uh, more serious stories, but things that should be noted. Uh, first, our deepest condolences go out to Serge Aurier and his family. As I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard, his younger brother was shot dead outside of a nightclub in Toulouse. And the suspected killer has escaped the scene. There's a manhunt for him. All that sort of stuff. So that is pretty upsetting. Uh, anything to add in there other than our condolences? No, it's pretty horrible. I mean, the only hope is that they'll they'll catch catch the person because it was uh, outside a nightclub in the wee hours of the morning. There were people around, so the hope is that uh, they'll be able to catch whoever did it. But yeah, awful, and you would assume that we're not going to see Surge for the rest of the season, I imagine. But yeah, horrible. Pretty much. Uh, and then the other sort of more serious thing. Uh, we've talked about this a bunch, so there's no need to really make a lot of comments. I don't think unless you chaps want to chime in there, but as responsible people who are trying to get behind the whole like BLM and black rights and all that sort of stuff movement, we should uh, comment on the fact that Zaha and McGoldrick both re- received absolutely disgusting messages on social media this week. Um, it is nice to see that the clubs came out, both the clubs of the players and the clubs of the fans that sent the stuff with like the strongest possible condemnation fucking garbage i don't know if you guys saw what was actually sent to mcgoldrick um but it was pretty disgusting and even more so the stuff that was sent to zaha which was like not a particularly thinly veiled threat of lynching given the history of those images in the u.s um, and it was a fucking 12-year-old, which is like... Yeah, I was going to say, which one was the 12-year-old? Zaha was the 12-year-old. Zaha, Zaha, yeah. right. I, haven't, I haven't heard more about the McGoldrick one. I don't think they I've found who it is yet from McGoldrick. The Zaha one, because obviously it's, you know, palace-related and stuff. And it's, like, people saying that he's a little snitch and stuff for, for putting that stuff out there and getting a 12-year-old arrested. Like, fuck Behave. that. That's exactly... This is exactly the point of what needs to be addressed and shouted out in the open. You know, Ian Wright posted stuff recently as well it was the same situation like why should people keep this quiet it's the whole fucking point of what's going on now about saying no look this is here this happens all the fucking time and there's people that can go oh no you've got to arrest the parents no just fucking punish the kids well and absolutely. the parents too you can't, them, you, can't, like both. you can't get away with it you absolutely can't it's disgusting and it's it's not something that's implicit and it's it's taught racism it's taught course, this inferiority yeah. kind of com- or superiority complex sorry that certain basically that white people have and wanting, wanting to put black people down and using these racial images like who the fuck are you to think just because someone is a public figure that you can you can send this to them and and that they should just stay silent for it absolutely fuck off the replies from people on twitter as you can imagine as with all of the black lives matter posts by the clubs uh is absolutely disgusting the fact they're saying no this is fine he should have kept quiet fuck that speak out about it and yes 100 percent, we should support these people doing that absolutely and i think it's important one of the comments that i saw i don't know if it was ian wright or another black player or who it was i completely forgot who it was but someone was like the sooner we can move on from thinking that this is an extraordinary event as opposed to something that literally just happens every day to not only famous people, but like people of color on social media of all type. Like I've gotten hateful messages with like slurs and stuff. Mop listeners have been really nice ever since uh, I've kind of just, just been doing the mop thing on Twitter, but certainly back when I was still writing and I had like a lot of readers on Chelsea index, I would get like vile shit 
from like people I've never met at all in my DMs or just actual comments on the page, on the posts, on the articles, all that sort of stuff. So like, obviously, I'm nowhere near to the level of Zaha. Like that doesn't need to be particularly like that's really obvious, right? But like, it is an everyday thing, and it is just a thing that happens to every black person or brown person. Um, the same way I'm sure, like, just getting unsolicited, disgusting dick pics and like vile messages is something that just happens to like every single woman. And I think that's part of why I wanted to include it in the rundown today, even though we've talked about all the racist shit so much, is because I do, as a person of color, want to drive home the idea that, like, there's a story about this every week, whether we choose to comment on it or not. Like, this is a persistent, perpetual thing and not extraordinary in any way whatsoever. And that's sad, but I think that as a society, the sooner we can, like, So I guess what I'm trying to say is part of the problem has been, at least on my own, anecdotally, like in my own life, I haven't done enough to like rock the boat and be like, hey, look, this shit is happening and we need to like talk about it. Because like if I get a vile message from a person, why am I going to go around and tell like all my friends it's just going to upset them? It's a thing that I've been dealing with. So it's not even like like uh, you sort of develop thick skin. Right. Mm. And I'm sure the players have it even more so, but it's still like really upsetting. But it's a thing that you sort of keep to yourself because you don't want to be that guy who's always talking about this or who's always, you know, playing the race card, as they would say here. Right. But like, fuck that. I'm done with that shit. I think black players and black people are done with that shit. Brown people are done with that shit. Like everybody's, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to keep quiet about this. And so, yeah, that's why I wanted to throw it in there this week. See, I don't know if it's a direct result of the Black Lives Matter movement sort of gaining proper momentum lately. Um, but like you say, they, these players um, coming out and posting these messages, which, as you say, they must get every day. But what's important is that, like me, average Joe White bloke, doesn't necessarily know that that is happening all the time. Like, it's, it's very easy for me to go through life and not think about that sort of thing unless it's presented to me. So the fact that that black players are feeling more able to come out and post that stuff, hopefully being able to ignore the ridiculous replies, which are always from anonymous wankers, it has to happen just to raise the awareness level of people like me who don't have to deal with that sort of stuff every day. I am curious. The last, I would say, like year or so, there has been a increasing focus on this as a social issue i think we just got to a point in like the world that everyone was like okay i think it's time to like actually talk about this and do something about it before all of these stories and all this stuff started coming out i'm curious to hear how you guys as white men like to what extent did you realize that this was a thing like i i know that girls get unsolicited dick pics and like vile shit even though i'm not a girl and even though it's not particularly the conversation happening on a societal level right now i'm still aware of that and i'm and i'm sure it's worse than i realize on a daily basis but like i know that's a thing so i'm curious and this isn't like to put you guys on the spot to be like how could you not have known this because you're not people of color so of course you do i'm not expect you to have known this but to what extent were you guys you specifically aware of this as like a thing did you know how bad it was like everyone knows that there's racism, but did you realize that it was this much? I'm curious. I think what happens is kind of everyone you experience is, is maybe similar to yourself and, and kind of what your story was and that, that people don't talk up about it because they, it's just you, people, may, maybe people of color did 
just develop a thick skin and just have to brush it off and want to and want to kind of you know like when when you get it's completely different but when you get kind of hate and abuse and whatever and just people telling you your shit or those kind of things obviously on a different level to skin color you kind of brush those away to to push forward in whatever your goal is or whatever you want to achieve just as a kind of way to like shut fucking people up now if you take that abuse to the next level which is the kind of racist sexist discriminatory any kind of form like that that maybe for a lot of people it was it was kind of the same thing and maybe that's why people didn't speak about it but you know, as as Ian said, you, you don't you don't really experience it because unless unless someone tells you or it or it's open and out, and it's always more portrayed in the media when it's somewhere else, which is why everyone over here says, "Oh, the situation in America is really bad," because they'll show it. You know, you, it, in a microcosm, if you look at the coronavirus situation, when it was in Italy and there were people in the hallways of hospitals and and they had like these makeshift bubble uh, ventilators on. The, the news were coming up and saying, be warned, there are graphic images coming up. And they were they were showing live images and stuff like that from inside the hospitals in Italy when Italy was at their peak. Our peak was way, way worse than that. But they would never show that situation because they don't want people to feel like they want people to distance themselves from everything. And I think so that kind of attitude is probably what's been applied to the racism situation in this country, that to keep it distanced from... Uh, people on a national level and even on an ethnic level so that white people don't think that it's happening and now that it, it has to be addressed and it comes from all kinds of things just because the media isn't covering it doesn't doesn't mean that the protests aren't happening doesn't mean those kind of things and it's mm. it's about having those difficult conversations with people really difficult uncomfortable be that for me receiving um comments and and stories from uh people that are like black people or having those discussions with family members or, or or close friends and and trying to show them like you know when they say things like oh white lives matter and all lives matter as well and 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 challenging people and, and making it more anti-racist exactly like ian said even though i've lived in i grew up in south london i've lived in um parts of the parts of london that are predominantly like walking around you see a hell of a lot more more black people in those areas and even then like i didn't experience any situations like that or, or really hear much or see much racism happening on the streets but i'm open and 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 want to acknowledge that yes it, it does happen and i think people people probably hid it so that they could carry on i guess i don't, I don't it's hard to kind of contextualize it and and words i think for me it was like don't talk about it because you don't want to be the one that like the squeaky wheel or get people to think that like oh you're just playing the victim or because no one else was talking about it, you didn't want to be the one person kind of harping on that point. And then, at least for me, there was always a fear of like, are white people actually going to believe me? Do they think that I'm playing it up? Do they think that I'm, you know, trying to get, like, seek attention as opposed for myself as opposed to, to the issue or seeking pity? I was like, I'm, I don't say this to you guys to put you on the spot or even to have you guys be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's so sad. Cause like, fuck it, whatever. That's in the past. I'm just trying to have like an actual conversation and I didn't at all realize we were going to go here today. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we're going to talk about the mop derby and Chelsea losing. But like this just kind of naturally led to this conversation. No, I think it's, it is. If you absolutely sort of have to lay it out, because I mean, I live up in Peterborough, so not South London. So a predominantly white area. I just have never had to address it in my thoughts. 
that I have never been abused on social media. I've never not got an interview because of my name or my ethnicity or anything. You know what I mean? Things Mm. like that I have never had to think about because of the area I live and who, who I'm around all the time. I've never had to think about that. Now, I've always worked in London, so I've, you know, had more of the experience of Chuck as in my working life. But this sort of thing forces me to think about it. And that can only be a good thing because I haven't been forced to think about it in the past. That I fully admit that. And I consider myself a fairly sort of liberal, woke sort of bloke, you know. And I still know that I haven't had to address this you know, in my in, in in my past life sort of thing. So it can only be a good thing that I have to think about this sort of thing all the time. I had a genuine sort of moment a few, a couple of episodes ago, I, descri- I described um, Adama Traore as a tank. And after like a couple of podcasts uh, started talking about how they address uh, black players. And I sort of had a moment where I thought, shit, I did that. And I don't, yeah, I'm pretty convinced that I would have described a white player the same way. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is a tank. Like, you're not He's wrong. a tank. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, The I one to me I... that always jumps out is Paul Pogba. Yeah. Because he's not fucking strong. He gets no. bullied off the ball so <laughs> easily. He is yes. a player who is successful for his skill, not his <laughs> physical attributes, right? Like, it's because yeah. of his passing, it's because of his shooting, it's because of his finesse. But because he's a black player, every fucking match, I guarantee they'll be like, oh, he's so fast. Oh, he's so strong. He can't get blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I'm like, my dude gets bullied off the ball so fucking easy. Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? So that's definitely a thing, but I wouldn't worry about the beefy boy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but all I'm saying is, you know, it made me think about something uh, because of the context of the situation we're in at the minute that I wouldn't have thought about before. And that can only be a good thing, even if I think about it and go, I think I was okay there. The fact I'm even thinking about it is better than it was before. Yeah, and it it, it is kind of that next level that you you do start to notice. And and I think it's right. It's it's something they joked about on the league, Oscar, didn't they, with with regards to NFL players and how the commentators discussed describe them mm-hmm. um, and you know the, the white players are predominantly described as being intelligent players or can pick out a pass mm. or like that kind of thing and then uh, the the black players are more it's it's about the physical prowess you know it's about oh he's so quick oh he's so fast oh he's so strong and then you know they say um, the uh, Mexican like Latino players are like firecrackers like they're mm-hmm. energetic and, and it's just it's those implicit things that yeah, when you think about it, looking back, and I agree that you think, oh, okay, well, maybe that's that's also something that is part of it, and we need to address. You know, Jack Grealish looks looks to dive for a ball, or he's playing intelligent there. Wilfred <laughs> Zaha go, you know, gets the contact and, and goes down. Oh, well, he's looking for a foul, like he's diving. It's just those those implicit little things that you're mm. like, for fuck's sake, actually. And it it does have much much bigger effects on football as a whole than just the commentary. Because, like, now, because it's so pervasive in the minds of scouts, in the minds of the entire culture, when a scout goes out to look for players, they don't notice the skillful, finesse black players. They notice the fast and strong black players because that's what they're expecting a black player to do. And likewise, for, like, white dudes, like, they're looking for the tricksy, good-passing white dude. They're not looking for an absolute fucking unit, a beefy boy. You know, like, Alexander Sorloth is very much an outlier. Like, most white dudes are smaller than black players. Like, and that's not because white people are smaller than black people inherently. 
it's because the types of players that get contracts that get opportunities are pre-selected for certain characteristics. And so like it, it is a big problem. But anyway, that's more than enough serious conversation. <laughs> that is not the type of podcast we usually are. Um, so let's move on to the actual fixtures. How about that? Just before we do, actually, I would say one thing, and that this is um, mainly because I imagine you're, you've got no reason to be a historical England fan, but uh, Jack Charlton died this week. And yeah. uh, he was a member of the 1966 World Cup squad and managed uh, Ireland uh, in Italia 90 and absolutely turned Ireland around. And uh, I've heard some really sort of moving stuff from the likes of Mick McCarthy, even, who is usually moody as, who said about how he turned them from a, a sort of ragtag bunch of all right players into a team, changed the way they play, changed the way they sort of interacted with each other just by being a generally good bloke all i've heard is good stories about him and uh irish like football fans have said at the time in the sort of late 80s when he took over ireland as a country wasn't in a particularly good place and i think there was a, a i heard it on um football weekly max rushton said there's a irish writer who said Jack Charlton made made him realise that things didn't have to be shit <laughs> like it's sort of stuff like that is where football can just change, just change, change our mood a little bit. And I've certainly, even though my season's been over with Peterborough, having the football back has cheered me up a bit more than I realised it would, to be honest. And uh, it just, with all the stories about Jack Charlton, it just made me think we ought to just very quickly recognise him as a great player and, from the sounds of it, a great man. All right. Well, on that relatively serious note, we'll take a quick break. I think just to sort of reset, stretch our legs, get some water, and then we'll come back and talk about the fixtures. Welcome back to Miles Offside Pod, as Chuck would say to start off part two always. Um, Pretty much. Yep. Stole my line, mate. You know? <laughs> I would, I, it, I gotta say, I always hope, wish that you would say welcome back to the Miles Offside Pod, as opposed to just welcome back to Miles Offside Pod. Yeah, but we don't have the in the name. No. It's like the band is Rolling Stones. The band is Eagles. Arctic Monkeys. Exactly. Why do people just, why do you have to put a the? I guess... Tackling the big issues. I guess it depends if we're using podcast as a proper noun or a descriptor there. Like, is it Miles Offside Podcast with a capital P or the Miles Offside, capital M, capital O, podcast lowercase p? Capitalize fucking all of it. (laughs) We are the Alpha and the Omega. All right. Very good. Well, welcome back to the or just Miles Offside Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of football to talk about. There's two rounds of fixtures over the week, so we'll start off with the most important match, obviously the one everyone is talking about, and that is the no! Mop Darby. No! No! You can't make him. Can I we will. go back to part I definitely one? will. Crystal Palace 2, Chelsea 3, Palace 1.3 on XG to Chelsea's 2.7. So a pretty fair scoreline. Palace slightly overperforming. Uh, goals from... Christian Pulisic and Tammy Abraham yet again. That means that Christian Pulisic has scored in every match he's ever played against Crystal Palace. You absolutely two, love two to see matches. it. Two matches. Yep, two yes. matches. All of them. That is literally all of them. Uh, Mass- massage of statistics. It, what, was it, what was it you said last week? Stats without context are very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good I point. Did. Good point. Absolutely. Chuck. Yes. 
twisty, turny words. But yeah, so Pulisic scores in both, Tammy scores in both. Chuck, how are you feeling about the 3-2 loss? Uh, right, well, to summarise, I've made this very clear on social media. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am checked out for this year, right? I am done. I have muted Crystal Palace on Twitter. I have unfollowed the Palace account. I have muted the word Hodgson. I there is wow. so much toxicity, so much toxicity and bullshit. I don't want to focus on that. I want it to be on my terms and to control it. And we said this before this game and we were talking about how there were loads of goals and you know what? This game was fun because Chelsea fun. did Chelsea did all they could to not win and Palace <laughs> still Palace still just couldn't do it. Like they even let Benteke have a tap in from 3 yards. Just after Tammy Abraham scored, Tammy Abraham, who's done fuck all since Project Restart, had him in my team, put him on my bench, bang, goal. Patrick Van Arnholt hasn't done fuck all, put him on my bench, bang, uh. assist. Uh, football, good vibes, bad vibes, fuck. fuck. Come on, it's got to be nice that Benteke scored. Uh, yeah, that was nice. His first goal at Selhurst Park in 800 days. <laughs> good Lord. And I will, I'm just going to read you some headlines to summarise also why I am checked out. Because like, the t- we had that win against Bournemouth and obviously three games before lockdown, we won. That was great. Um, but then after that, we've just looked so abject. Five straight defeats, the second fewest goals in the Premier League, ahead of only Norwich, relegated. <laughs> the fewest home goals in the Premier League, three goals in the first half all season, Seven wins since October the 6th. And bear in mind, three of those were back-to-back in, what, February, (laughs) March, whenever lockdown was. The oldest average age in the Premier League. Zero rotation of players. The least number of minutes given to any academy or young players. And the tactics, the exact same every single game. I'm good. I'm out. I will be taking no further questions. Okay. Uh, I should also note here that you do have also the lowest XG in the entire league. Well, I mean, like, for the season, so that... Lowest goals, pretty much, so, you know, yep. that stacks up. That makes sense. Context. Um, so I'm guessing you don't want to talk about Aston Villa 2, Crystal Palace 0? Um, <coughs> no. I uh, You sent me a message. I was at work at the day, and I had a message from you saying, hey, Chuck, so what's happening? Like, you guys are going to win today? And I didn't... The match had started. <laughs> I was like, what? Are we winning? And then I looked and we... No. Um, no. No, I would not like to talk about it. All right. Well, uh, we'll come back to the obviously the Chelsea top four title race and the Sheffield result uh, later on in the pod. But I will note again that Pulisic did score in both matches against Palace, and that does feel pretty fucking nice. I'm not gonna lie. Sure, good player scores against shit team. Yeah, <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> much. headline. What is what is the problem now? Is because of like there's been two full rounds of fixtures right now since we last recorded because hectic, and we're yeah. recording on Tuesday, and there's games for the next eleven days, ten days. I don't know, loads, yeah, loads of days. After recording, I wanted to start a thing called Operation Cherry Bomb in FPL, which was basically just transfer in and captain anyone who's playing against Bournemouth. And so I did it with Vardy, and at least he got a goal, even though Bournemouth somehow won 4-1. I have now changed that to Operation Fallen Eagle. So if you have not, you won't know this by the time this comes out, but if you have not captained someone against Palace that plays for Man United, like, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. I don't know, man. There's another and I say team. That, I say that as the person who is winning FPL out of the three of us. So That's true, both for the season as a whole and Expert. the season plus, much to my chagrin. Uh, because I really am trying in the season plus, so I want to fucking catch you. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know about that because the team you might want to pick 
as the one to captain against is Norwich to move on. Uh, Norwich relegated officially losing 2-1 to Watford and 4-0 against West Ham. Are there worse teams to lose against? <laughs> you can't play yourselves and there's no uh, one else. Has, like, it wasn't even West Ham. It was just Antonio. That's yeah. it. it oh, was, right. They, they That's lost right. to Antonio. Order, I, I watched the highlights for that this morning and it, he should have probably scored about another three. Could, just yeah, every could have time had six or like, seven. No problem. Antonio there. Oh, missed. Antonio there. Oh, missed. Antonio, go, go, go. Oh, miss. One more goal. Yeah, fuck it. Four. Their defence is both, like Norwich's defence, both their shape and effort is just fucking all over the place. Yeah, they're done, man. They they yeah. fucking do not care. Dead cat bounce now. Dead cat bounce. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> I, match of the day brought up the sort of interesting thing. It didn't their team, their, their first 11 was the same as their last uh, championship match, which, hmm. I mean, if you're not going to invest... You're not going to stay in the Premier League, are you? If you're, you know, if you're still putting out exactly the same eleven. But I also saw something about that. This is, this has happened for Norwich quicker than they expected, and they sort of plan to go down. And <laughs> will sort of, it's more like a more like a five or six year plan. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, but you're up here now, so you could try and stay. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> makes no sense. Like Palace had that. We had like a, a five year plan, and yeah. like it accelerated. We actually even because the season we got promoted, we were expected to go down and managed <laughs> to do it. And then we were like, well, fuck it, we're here now. Like, may as well make the most of it. I and, don't think know. Norwich have done that. I think no. they've gone. Oh no, let's let's pop back home, just down down to the Championship, because that's not an easy division to get out of, is it? Fucking no, like, that's a fucking <laughs> trapdoor. Anyone saying, oh, I'd just rather get relegated to the Championship so that we can reset? Bullshit. Look at Sunderland, Stoke, Hull, <laughs> yeah, Cardiff, exactly. uh, all these teams that have gone down recently. You don't want that. Leeds are still trying to come back up. <laughs> it's looking well, like yeah. they are. They From- should. Yes. Question mark. Unless they do a proper, proper Stimson level bottle job. Like <laughs> Fuck it out. But Norwich getting relegated takes at least one bad thing off of Palace that we are no longer joint for the most relegated teams in the Premier League anymore. Norwich have that record all to themselves five times. Thank you very much, Delia Smith. Yep. Uh, and on the flip side of the relegation conversation was Watford having two big wins this week, beating Newcastle and Norwich. Uh, bringing their relegation odds down to 20%. So they did put a little gap between themselves and the uh, actual relegation spots. Bournemouth are currently on 31, Watford and West Ham are on 34. Um, So that is kind of opening up a little bit of a gap. Uh, But also they are just a better team, so the 20% kind of reflects that. And I think they have an easier fixture... Uh, well, the big game schedule? for the for the W teams is that they play each other, 16th and 17th <laughs> now. So one win kind of relegates, you know, saves one of those teams. Yeah. Uh, so both should be going for it. So that's quite big. And then, you know, there's still a bit of a cushion there with, uh, you know, Bournemouth need to get a win fast to get out of it. Bournemouth are in trouble. Bournemouth, despite their big win against Leicester, which we'll come back to for the context of the top four race, Bournemouth's big win against Leicester put them, they're still at 85% to go down despite that. Oof. Like, that is not, they're just a shit team. So like, Yeah. I called it. I called it years ago. Well, yeah. People need to be looking at how Eddie Howe has managed to keep them in the Premier League this long. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible squad, really. They've just not got any depth at all. I mean, it's unbelievable that, we'll, like you say, we'll get to it, but unbelievable that they managed to turn Leicester over 
when they lost uh, Ake, who's been one of their only half decent mm. players this season. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Absolutely. Is Eddie Howe the one that uses a ton of stats? Is he the XG guy? I never remember. There's one manager that like I got think in he's fairly re- forward thinking on that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that would explain part of like how you keep a shitty team up is you got to get every tiny little edge. Like that's really the philosophy of Moneyball. If you watch the movie or read the book, mm. is like it's not about Good film. Great film. Yeah, Brad Pitt, probably another guy with a very beautiful cock. Um, oh, God. Well, man. Just saying, you know, aesthetically probably very well formed, like a Greek yeah, statue. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to see it. I'm just saying it probably is really nice. You don't anyway, want to see yeah, it. <laughs> um, the whole thing about Moneyball is like getting little edges and overperforming in little ways, but so, in love so to many see, places it, that edges? it adds up. So. All right. Well, on that... <laughs> The ball must be going down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take it to one other kind of one-off amusing story. Uh, Liverpool one, Burnley one. Cue the jingle. Ooh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. A good old-fashioned Burnley of the week from Burnley here. Uh, Liverpool dropped points at home for the first time since. Hold on, let me check this. January 2019. Ooh, who did they drop points to then, Oscar? Leicester. Leicester 1-1. Oh, I thought that was Palace. No, (laughs) uh, Palace was the last win, I think, at Anfield, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, but they drew with Leicester in January 2019. Which which means that Liverpool don't break the record for always winning at home, which was set in like 1897 (laughs) by Sunderland? (laughs) Question mark? Sunderland. So, you know, a win for Sunderland... Yeah, I'm sure that's where they get them. Uh, let me, I did yeah. say Burnley of the Week, so let me just give the the actual XG here. Liverpool 2.2, scoring one, Whee! so less than half. <laughs> and Burnley 0.4, scoring one, so more than double. Oh, Whee! wow. Okay. Uh, if, Sean Di- if Burnley let Sean Dyche leave, because there's been mad beef and all kinds of this stuff, because he's already got them to Europe once. He's never really been backed. He keeps saying, like, you need to spend money. You need to help me, blah, 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 blah. If he leaves that club, or they let him leave, that is, like, the biggest fuck-up ever. Like, the job he's done... Like, I don't care if... Like, we go on about, you know, the Burnley of the week, and it does kind of feed into what you said, Oscar, about the Moneyball thing, is that he must know exactly kind of those kind of things, whether it's deliberate or whether it's just implicit in his thinking and his way of doing things. Like, they're tied... Uh, Nick Pope is tied with Edison for the Golden Glove at the minute. They've, they haven't they have lost, I don't think... They've lost, like, one game in 16 or something ridiculous like that. Like, the job he's done there over years and years and years with no money and those players is incredible. And if they let him leave, as much as we joke about Burnley and how shit they are and stuff, they will fully deserve just to be relegated and the shittest team ever. And I will happily, happily take him at Palace. I would see... I could definitely see that. Because um, your best... Guy was Pulis, right? Over the last, like... I'd say with the... Yeah, I don't... Like, I don't like Tony Pulis because of, like, all the other stuff that happened. And, you know, he got sued by the club, for God's sake, and then had to pay us back loads of money. But I would say with the players at hand, Tony Pulis probably did the best job for Palace. Yeah, I've always stand Tony Pulis because he gets really shitty teams and gets them to overperform by having good tactics. Everyone hates him for being so negative, And, yeah, he is really kind of boring to watch. But, like... I also think he deserves admiration for consistently getting the absolute most out of teams. You could see that happening again at Palace. I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me. Like Burnley have done that, so 
Yeah, but like, that's what that's what we were, we were good at for so long. But now it's just like the squad age and all those kind of things are catching up. And we've said before, like in the Premier League, you know, in fact, Tony Poulis and Stoke is the perfect example. If you don't refresh and you don't get back and get to do that, like you can be in the Premier League for a few years, but then when the fall happens, like it happens fast. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of the fall, that's a tenuous transition at best, but just briefly, I don't actually want to talk about this match because there's nothing interesting about them right now other than that they're just the best team in England, but Man City 5, Brighton 0. Chuck, I'm sure you were just happy to see Brighton lose 5-0, so I'll give you a chance to gloat about that. Ha 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 All right, very good. And Jesus actually scoring some goals, Raheem Sterling scoring the funniest accidental oh, goal. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, wait, I remember now. Yes, I really do want to laugh at this. There he is. He, he kicked it, the ball went up, and he fell, and it landed on his head, and it went through Matt Ryan's legs, and they couldn't keep it out. And oh, my God, he was like, did I score? I don't know. Yeah, yeah even I he stood it. up and was like, you guys... You shucks. He is. He came out before that and said he was really going for the golden boot, which is mad, and then just like gets a hat trick. He is still six behind Vardy. Like Vardy's in the lead with 23 still this season, but you never know. Got a lot of confidence. Yeah. I mean, they're playing Bournemouth next, and he loves playing Bournemouth. Why fucking not? And Leicester have a horrible fixture and horrible form. And not, oh my god, Man City have less. Uh, no, Man City have Bournemouth, Watford, and Norwich for the next three games. Yes, I told you to triple up on City That's last week. That's why you have to triple up. You yeah. know? <laughs> we told you this, and you were like, ah, nah, nah. <laughs> "Me and Ian were like, dude, look at the like. I got all your info, man. I've been doing spreadsheets. Like, trust me, I'm actually putting in effort, and I know numbers. Like, yeah. Speaking well, of, me and Ian both got Jesus in." Um, although I think, did you get him in in time for the goals? Because I brought him in after. No, no, no. I've done it this week. So yeah, same, yeah, I, same, same, yeah. same. Um, he's finally scoring, so that could be well, a thing. I mean, he's yeah. He's, the thing is, he's got a, he's got to start playing a bit more like a number nine, mm. like because he he doesn't need to to drift wide and get the ball. He doesn't need... The Man City is set for players who can create. Exactly. He doesn't need to do that. That's you know? why Aguero is so good, because he's just he's just always there and just puts it in. Whereas, yeah, Jesus wants to help and contribute and, and go out wide. But then, like, they've got enough players that do that. Like you Bernardo score as Silva. many tap-ins as you want, mate. You to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It, because sometimes, like, we, you know, we've gone on about before and the amount of XG per 90 he was generating was off the charts because he was getting in those positions for the last 15 minutes of games mm-hmm. in one of the most creative teams but sometimes that can just be because you're a bit fucking wasteful like he's very frustrating to watch almost like Salah can be quite frustrating to watch and own yeah, sometimes yeah. because yeah you'll watch a game and he'll score one but you'll see him spurn like six seven chances and you're like uh for consistency like do I feel that comfortable with someone like that and that's very much what Jesus is like and we've said like is he actually good enough for City? Does he need to make sure he adapts his game so he just sits in the box and then just like taps in all the time? Because that's what they <laughs> did against, uh, who was it? Against Newcastle. They just did the classic play to the byline, cut it back, near the penalty spot, bang, goal. Their first two goals were carbon copies of each other and they're fantastic at that. And he just needs to be the guy that either allows that space or is that player. Absolutely. And I think like he's not even just per 90 um, I just did this like right now as you were talking, and if you sort by total XG for the season, he's in second. He has 19.1 XG. He's only scored 12. It is by far the biggest difference between XG and actual goals scored. He has generated as much total XG as Mohamed Salah, who is actually on his 19 goals. Salah 19.4, scoring 19. 
Jesus 19.1 scoring 12. The other big uh, outlier there is Roberto Firmino generating 16, only scoring 8. Now we know from Ian's advice, don't get Firmino. <laughs> don't get Firmino and, and maybe get Jesus if he's actually putting away his chances now. Like, who, who knows? So uh, let's move on from that to... Um, I think I'll save the top four race for last, kind of take all of those all at once as one sort of thread. Uh, but we should briefly mention the North London Derby, LOL. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 1, Tottenham 1.8 on XG to Arsenal's 0.7. So exactly lining up if you round to the nearest whole numbers. I'm I'm annoyed about this because I don't know who to blame. Because who is deciding that Tierney marks uh, out of old? Like... Is that David Luiz not taking responsibility on the field? Is that Probably. some sort of ridiculous defensive coaching decision? No, nah, it's David Luiz. It's David Luiz. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll blame him then. Lovely. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see the game. I've just seen what the score was now. But I'm like 97% sure it's probably David Luiz's fault. <laughs> Hashtag new contract. This one was interesting to me because for whatever fucking reason, like 90% of my timeline is either Tottenham or Arsenal fans. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. What have I done it's wrong? It's because you're on Twitter, that's why. Yeah, sure. Um, and it was really fascinating watching my timeline while watching this match because the Tottenham fans were watching one match and the Arsenal fans were watching a completely <laughs> different match. <laughs> Arsenal fans, all of them were like, oh, fuck Jose, we got robbed. Adam P was saying this, I'm going to put him on blast. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh. The numbers agree with the Tottenham fans and also the neutrals and Arsenal fans are like, nah, we were better. We got robbed. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, nah, man, you got outplayed like straight up. Like this was a Mourinho. This was a classic, classic Mourinho masterclass. Like he controlled the game, didn't yeah. concede chances until about a half hour left. He opened up a little bit because he always he like he wants the first 60 to be nothing. And then he wants to win the last 30. That's kind of Mourinho's Didn't thing. They, weren't they playing like 4-4-2 and just shut things down, basically? And we're almost playing long balls sometimes to sort of just hit Sun and Kane up the top all the time. And it yeah. was it was working. Arsenal were getting frustrated. And when Arsenal get frustrated, they lose their fucking heads. And it happened again. Mm. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, Tottenham... Uh, Patreon and friend of the podcast, Mr. Jeff Pedder. He got in touch and uh, regarding his thoughts on Jose Mourinho. I mean, what is Kane meant to do in this team? I mean, fuck me. Spurs are dog shit. Absolute <laughs> steaming pile of wank. We've been infected by this dinosaur infected. with a miserable face and his non-existent <laughs> tactics. Fuck him. <laughs> and he even gets a bleep in there. Good on you, Jeff. <laughs> Oh, well, Jeff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jeff, but you got the win now. So, you know, this was <laughs> that was Mourinho's best match as Tottenham manager. Like it was a fully deserved win in the in their biggest match of the season because they don't have Please anything else get to in play touch, for. Jeff, and see if his one win now against Arsenal completely redeems all those things. Yeah, and you're fair, fine with, clear. in your own words, the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Make it clear that he said that after they drew with Bournemouth 0-0. Nil -nil. <laughs> that wasn't a direct result of the North London derby. Can we go back to one thing he said there? Yeah. Uh, because I'm pretty sure he dislikes me strongly, despite being a Patreon <laughs> of the pod. How he said what is Kane meant to do in this team? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Who still thinks Kane is good? I guess Jeff Petter. Love you, Jeff. Thank you for being a supporter of the podcast. But buddy, come on, man. Like... <laughs> Kane is the problem. It's not that the team is failing him. It's that he's just not good. 
Sorry, bud. I don't know how to you break out. Things, you run out of ways to say it. <laughs> like, do we need to stage an intervention? We care about him, right? He's our friend in Patreon. So, like, do we need to sit him down with all of the other Patreons and be like, listen, Jeff, enough is enough, bud. Like, this is a real problem now. Well, weed him off of Kane. Mm-hmm. What's with English people being so fucking desperate for Kane to be resurgent, for Kane to be back? Because he was really good. He was so good for he a couple so of good. seasons. He was so good. That's it. It's... The rose-tinted glasses and yeah, it's the any memories. England player. I mean, you know, I'm really looking forward to us absolutely ruining fucking Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> and Kane did have a really good match recently. I forget which one it was, but I did say to Jeff, like, you know, I fucking give you shit about Kane a lot, but, like, he he had a good match. He'll have good matches sometimes, but, like, every time it happens, it feels like the commentators and not just Tottenham fans, but, like, all of Twitter is like, Kane's back! Baby, let's do this it. Is, this is what we do, isn't it? We were all incredibly worried when he got injured because he might not make the Euros. And it's just that that's what we do. We put all of it on one person and we forget that anyone else exists. That's what we do. All right, very good. So Kane is the new Wayne Rooney. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> God. Well, I think we've gone beyond that. Who is the new Michael Owen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's when I came in was when everyone was mad about Michael Owen not being good anymore. So that's like, that's a throwback to me. That's <laughs> which, just... which is exactly what happened. He got loads of injuries and then just... So that's what they need to do. They need to get Kane on a like, when his injuries really break him down, they need to get him on a like pay-by-game basis and then they'll never owe him any money. Michael Owen was the new Shearer who got fucked up with loads of injuries. Sure, but Shearer was good for a long time as opposed to like Owen and Kane who had like one or two elite seasons and then that's it. Like, I wonder what the, the like legend of Harry Kane is going to be in 20 years. Right now, everyone just wants him to go back to being great, so they're all trying to push the narrative that he's still elite, he's still good, other than the three of us, and, like, not English people. <laughs> I love that you're putting, putting us as some brave, shining knights. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We speak truth to power, Ian. This is what we do. Truth to power. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on then, as much as I've tried to avoid it, to the top four race and the recent results. Sheffield, three. Top four stumble. <laughs> yeah, sure. Chelsea, three. Copyright. TM. Uh, Sheffield United, or nope, sorry, I wish. Sheffield United 3, Chelsea 0. Sheffield 2.0 on XG to Chelsea's 1.1. So, a deserved win. Not quite a 3-0 scoreline, but like, we weren't good. We were bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Remember when we laughed about how simple it was that you just have to score one more than the opposition? Yeah, well, what do I tell you? 4-3. We always concede three, so it's just a matter of can we score four or not. Sheffield, we're good, man. They genuinely stopped us from doing what we wanted to do. Yeah, it fucking wasn't defending. <laughs> it's never there, defending. There is a template against Chelsea, and I really hope that this doesn't just become, like, a Lampard thing as opposed to a personnel thing, because it could, it could honestly be either. I think the corner kicks problem and the set piece problem is fully a Lampard thing. He needs to sort that shit out. Maybe Chelsea need to hire someone who's good at that specifically to just be like the set piece coach, because that's kind of where the future is anyway. Like Liverpool has someone who's just their throw in coach. Like he just does throw ins yeah. for them. So like, let's fucking hire someone. Frank doesn't need to be good at every single thing. It's not 1965. Have a team of people running your team. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So let's get someone in who can actually help us defend set pieces and corners. And hopefully, you know, Kaylee likes to joke that he's a football pervert. Which just means like someone who's like, fuck defense, I just want to have fun and score. AKA the Bundesliga. <laughs> like Frank would be a great manager in the Bundesliga. I hope we buy some defenders because that was dog shit. That was absolute dog shit. And it's, they take turns being the one that sucks. 
It's like Rudiger gets dropped, Christensen comes in and has a bad game. Christensen gets dropped, Zuma comes in and has a bad game. It's like, no, what happened to Tomori? He's not even like, I haven't heard from him in months. But like, give him a fucking chance unless he's injured. I genuinely don't know. I don't think he is. Because like, no one's doing a good job. And Frank came out afterwards. I don't know if you guys saw his post-match press conference interview. Yeah. But he was like... I'm not going to forget this performance. Yeah, I learned a lot said, about I've, some of these I've players learned today. Some things about my players that I'm not going to forget. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Whoa. And I'm like, Ooh. and he won't because he's a fucking genius. Yeah, he won't forget. I do wonder who he specifically meant because there was a lot of blame to go around that day. And I hope that it's not like, oh shit, Christian Pulisic didn't create enough, or Jorginho didn't do whatever he needed to do. Um, because Jorginho was actually pretty good. I thought. I hope that he meant like Keppa. Like, <laughs> mm. I think if it if it took him this long to learn anything about Kepa, he's not that intelligent. I know. <laughs> just pay his wages. Just pay his wages to let him go. The problem, the reason no one wants him is because he's on crazy wages. So like all the time, every time we offer him on loan to someone, they're like, yeah, but we can't afford that. Can you pay half of the wages? And Chelsea's like, why are we going to pay half the wages for someone to be gone? And I'm like, no, don't think of it that way. Think yeah. of it as saving <laughs> Half of the wages, wages to not have him playing for us. Like, Think about saving the money you get for the Champions League. Way up that cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, how many how many minutes does it have to be for Roman Abramovich to be able to pay Kepa's wages? Is it ninety minutes or is it like <laughs> four? Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway. on the record or on the books or off the books? Yeah, off the books. Yeah. I want to get him off the books. I want to get him off Chelsea's books, please, as quick as possible. Is there any truth to the rumour that Frank made Tammy cry in the dressing room saying he was a championship striker? Whoa! 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 <laughs> I hadn't heard that story at all. You heard, Where wow. did you hear that? Okay, I genuinely I, I, I saw it on a couple of places on Twitter. You keep talking and I'll see if I can substantiate it. I like that. I mean, I don't like it, but I like that. That side of Frank, like, fuck. He's getting feisty, man. He's Scaling. getting, like, for real feisty. Probably because he's fed up with the shit defenders being shit. Yeah. He's like, come on, we're scoring all these goals and you keep letting them in. But uh, as usual, as we have seen all season, Chelsea have only won seven of their last 17 games and we've still been in the top four the entire time since October. Like we haven't dropped out of the top four since October. We could have if United had won and Leicester had gotten results and instead we're still in third place somehow uh, because Man United drawing 2-2 against Southampton. And Leicester won one against Arsenal, who have been terrible, except for how they were good for two games. But like, other than that, Arsenal have not been good. It is funny. It's it's like it's like when uh, was it when Ole took over before and United were in fifth, and then they won like seven games in a row, and they were still in fifth. It's kind of like now that they've won all these games. They've been incredible since the restart, and they're still in fifth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really has been like, I saw a fascinating study that has nothing to do with soccer, but just came to my mind, so I'm going to say it. A few years ago that someone did an experiment where they built like almost a miniature highway. So it wasn't a NASCAR track. It was like a three-lane highway, but it was a giant loop with like walls so you couldn't see the rest of the loop and stuff. And then they just put a bunch of cars on there and they spaced out the cars perfectly evenly around the perimeter of the loop. And we're like, okay, everyone drive exactly 50 miles an hour for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, however long they did the experiment. And if everyone follows the directions correctly, we should still be fully spaced out at the end of the 20 minutes or the hour or however long they were driving for. And within like five fucking minutes, there was 
everyone on one half of the track and no one on the other half. They naturally created traffic despite having explicit instructions to just go 50 miles an hour. And the idea being that humans are social animals and like herding and there's safety in numbers. And so like anytime you put a group of people, they're naturally going to cluster. And it feels like that's what the Premier League teams are doing because like every time Chelsea dropped points, United dropped points and Leicester dropped points. And every time – and Tottenham when they were in the conversation. Remember when Tottenham were in the conversation for like five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it was five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Teams win and everyone wins. Everyone loses. Everyone loses. And it's just like that middle block hasn't moved at all. It is funny you say about like losing points because if we go back five game weeks, the results for the three teams, win, win, draw, all get points. The next game week, loss, loss, win. Okay, so one team gets points. The next week, win, win, win. The next week, win, draw, win. The next week, loss, loss, draw. You you are pretty much like matching each other. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Chelsea have been at 70, per, 70 to 80% to make the Champions League since like January. And that's including teams moving up, City losing their spot and then getting it back. Like, we went up to 90 for a little while, but, like, we're at 76. United are at 70 and Leicester are at 49. And and the big thing to me is not only do we have the one-point lead, the reason Chelsea's percentage is the highest one of those teams, even though we haven't been the hottest team and United have been, is because United and Leicester play each other on the last day. So it is physically impossible for both of those teams to take full points. And so and us with a one-point cushion plus not playing either of them, we can just, like... All we need basically is six points from the last three. And that's assuming that Leicester and United win their two matches, their other two matches, before going into their last day of the season with each other. Like, it really is much more likely for Chelsea to make it at this point. Those two results, despite us losing, were huge. And Leicester Leicester playing United on the last day, it feels like Chelsea are probably, I don't want to jinx it, but probably going to be in. And Leicester United are playing each other on the last day of the season for that Champions League spot. That's very exciting. I have not been able to substantiate the Tammy Abraham rumour. <laughs> the tweet I saw has since been deleted. What you're saying is we, <laughs> we started the rumour? <laughs> I can only find it on Google Cash. It's since been deleted. <laughs> so, but Tammy did give an interview uh, slightly questioning Frank's tactics. So perhaps there's some some truth to not everything being quite rosy. Well, you can't play Palace every week, so he's not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thought I'd better say that. You can if you support Palace. We play ourselves every fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you guys feeling about the top four? Who do you think it's going to end up? Let's, let's, let's kind of wrap up the fixtures conversation there. Yeah, Chelsea United. Yeah, I agree. I think it. Leicester seemed to just be completely shit in the bed. So I think uh, Man United looked good. I mean... Southampton um, were good. Southampton good value can't for their finish in the top four. No, they I know that. I'm talking four, mate. <laughs> but they played Manchester United and they were good value for their point. Uh, but I think generally, Man United have looked uh, have looked great. But I think it's a bit of a worry that uh, Southampton did well and uh, Bruno Fernandez looked tired. If if they're genuinely going to be that much of a one man team, they might need to. Well, there's only three games left. It's not like they can rest. They can't afford to rotate. For many I know. Of them, but, I mean, and there's he, the FA Cup looked... this weekend. FA yeah. Cup this weekend. And it's uh, United, Chelsea and City, Arsenal. Well, we're having the same thing at Chelsea. Like, do you do you rotate out Pulisic and William because they've had so many minutes and they did look kind of tired against mm. Sheffield? Or do you leave them in because, like, you have to take points and it's Norwich. So, like, you don't want to play in the B squad against Norwich and then accidentally drop points. Like, you can't afford. You have to take those points. We played Liverpool and Wolves in our other two matches. And Wolves haven't been great, but they're still a pretty good team. Wolves are fifth on XG. Unexpected points, I mean. 
it is nice as the season starts to wrap up that the table converges to the XG table. As it no, should, because case. like oversample size. <laughs> um, not in City's case, because City are 10 points ahead of Liverpool unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Chelsea and United are 3 and 4 unexpected, and they're probably going to end up the season at 3 and 4. There's a decent sized drop in six expected points from there to Wolves, and then another four to Leicester. Leicester are the sixth best, and 10 expected points behind United and Chelsea, who are at 66 and 65. So it is nice for Leicester to have been fucking up there for all season. People talking about like, oh, they're the last hope for a title race. They were over City at one point. And now they're falling out of the top four, falling to where they belong on the expected points because that's what happens over sample size. Yay. <laughs> Yay, stats. Yeah, I think you'll be fine with Man United, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> all right, well, that's enough fixtures, which means it is time to talk about everyone's favorite segment. We brought back rapid, rapid, <laughs> rapid fire news. We're bringing yeah. back another one. It is time for what, Chuck? It's the Predictor League, League of Predictions that we forgot about Cause it's quite a lot of admin and the games have been coming too thick and fast For me to bother to open the spreadsheet and adjust the numbers So it took a Patreon request from Mr. Sam Van Damby For me to update the Predictor League where people made predictions at the start of the season And we see how good they are at doing it by getting the lowest score Yeah, Predictor League, mm. All in one breath, it's like Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah, isn't it? Very good <laughs> uh, yeah, if you didn't get it from the song, the Predictor League at the start of the <laughs> Wait, season. What the for some reason, that song didn't explain it. Some people gave us, literally, some people where they thought teams would finish at the end of the season, and I work out differences and shit. Currently, at the bottom, uh, probably our favourite person, uh, Johnny Worthington, king of the Patreons. Um, yeah, sorry, mate, down there at the bottom. Uh, top. First. Should I just do first? I may as well. Uh, It's bloody worse to first. Oscar Puente. After challenging himself to nearly being over 100 points uh, away last year, he is at (laughs) 60. Um, I'm sure the final score finished last year like 24 away. So it just shows how (laughs) wild this year is. (laughs) Uh, And it's funny. It's almost like he knew to ask for it because in joint second... Uh, is Sam Danby uh, with Joe Bloom tied at 64. So Sam entered the league earlier as well. So if things carry on like this, then Sam Danby wins uh, literally insert prize here later. 50 quid, wasn't it? 50 quid for a football team or his choice. Or if we can't be bothered to buy the voucher, we'll just send him 51 pounds. (laughs) 51. (laughs) Sorry, forgot. Predictor League. Yay! There's a reason we don't do it every week. It's very niche. Like this podcast. Well, and it's uh, not fun to just hear me winning all the time, every week. Always the best. Oh, Oscar's the best. Oscar's the smartest. Oh, it just gets tiring, honestly, to have to listen to that every week. Yeah, but it's it's nice that over the two years there is like at least one thing you can win. It will be quite good if <laughs> because I won it last year. If Oscar wins it this year, it does sort of you know put us in a, a position of some sort of expertise, doesn't it? Well, two of us at least. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, that moves us on nicely to the thing that I win. Uh, uh, no, we're, no we're not talking about FPL. No, we're talking no, about no, FPL, no, guys, no. aren't we? Oh, where's Chuck? 2,088 points in the top 90,000, still clawing on. 
ahead of the Miles Offside podcast community team by 15 points on 2073 and ahead of Ian Stimson mm-hmm. 2056 points 32 points ahead of you and way <laughs> down on 1894 a full 190 some points behind me because I can't be able to work it out exactly the points a backup keeper would have got you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah ian you need to average like 11 points a week to beat me now More yeah than that's so. yeah that's tough over three weeks i think i'm going to need to nail a captain choice i mean yeah and i'm going against you because I'm, I'm going pulisic uh well i think so i'm going to see if there's early team news if he's definitely in tonight which is obviously we're recording on tuesday as you said mm-hmm. then he's definitely my captain because if someone's starting with rotation watch over at City, I'm just I'll take a starter. So if Pulisic, if I hear that he's starting, well, and against Norwich too, like yeah, exactly. I mean, and I know you're going for a, you'll go for a different captain. Who are you captaining then, Chuck? Against I, against at Palace at the moment. I have Marshall as yeah. captain against Palace because he always does well against us. Uh, he's a very fast player. Our defense is old and slow, <laughs> so yeah, I like that. Fair enough. He'll Fair enough. Win a, he'll probably win a penalty. Either Fernandez or Rashford will take it, and I own them. So triple up on Man United, guys. Get an armband on them. Triple up on both ne- Manchester teams and Definitely. double up on Chelsea. Well, now can. this is going to be the question because I've got my team open here, and I have Vardy and Rashford and Dwight Gale on my bench, which was a really good pick. But let's not talk about my bench and the fact that in three weeks it's earned over 80 points. Um <laughs> Squad my, my bench scores have been 22, 26 and 28 for the last three game weeks oh, And I'm still, still still beating you shit munches um, Yeah, okay, fair enough But my word, that is I don't know whether to be impressed or outraged Well, this is it I'm giving you all the chances you can I, <laughs> yeah, I can, Spursy uh, But should I do Vardy, Vardy against Sheffield United? Should I get him out for Jesus? Yeah, for, is it for free? It's for free Do it do it, yeah? absolutely, yeah. Okay, one second. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello, live. <laughs> transfers, Jamie Vardy. While X. you're doing that, I'll take a moment uh, for my team. I'm still going to narrate it underneath. <laughs> so you can talk, but this I'll is his MO. Uh, I wildcarded and got 83 and 33, so we talked about that the week Man after City. as the original plan. I bench boosted in 34. 95 points Gabriel on my bench boost. Jason. Nice, nice. As so, player... <laughs> <laughs> Scroll up, make transfers, confirm trans. Do you want to play your free hit? No. Still got Conf- your free hit. Still got my free hit, mate. Oh, there we go. Jesus Sim. Fucking hell. Save that for thirty-eight, because then yeah. you don't want Man United players that week, right? So you don't have to worry about transferring them out. Yeah, well, I've been looking at it because you kind of like, even though you don't really need to plan a free hit, obviously. But you know, I mean, it's I've I've got. Man City. I don't have any Liverpool players, but Newcastle always do something on the last game of the season. Liverpool have fucked up on the last game of the season before. So Who's playing know. Spurs on the last day of the season? Because Spurs are always a fucking joke on the last day of the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting Palace in. Oh, Palace, <laughs> right. no. Well, that's a good fixture for you guys, though. <laughs> that's a nice one to end on. Oh. I'm captaining Willie in this week. Neither of you asked, but fuck you guys. I'm still going to participate in this conversation. <laughs> That's cool. That makes sense against Norwich. I thought we were still listening to Chuck do his transfer. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I've done that. I pressed <laughs> oh, confirm. Okay, done. Sorry. Yeah. I'm still leaving the armband on Marshall. Um, sorry, I am good. trying sorry. to catch Chuck in the season plus. Um, because, again, <laughs> I did not take most of the season seriously, but I am taking the season plus seriously. I'm currently 16 points behind you, Chuck. 
Uh, and like 30, 32 points ahead of Ian. Oh, yeah, I'm 50 points ahead. Ian's done. Ian's, Ian's done touch. with the season plus. He got Ian in his own head. fucked it. Um, <laughs> but since you don't have William, Chuck, William is probably who I'm going to captain to try to make up a little bit of the extra points there. I'm just going to play my own game. You boys fuck about and decide what you're going to do to try and beat me. Yeah, differentials. <laughs> Although if you're not captaining Pulisic, maybe I will captain Pulisic. Because I would obviously much more enjoy to have it on him than William. Although William's on pens. Unclear. We'll see. Uh, the Everyone else knows what already happened in that match. So hopefully William or <laughs> exactly, Pulisic yeah, going to sound trick. very stupid. <laughs> uh, what are we doing with the pod team this week? Did we already make our transfer? Yeah, we did. we took a hit. And really? we did uh, Robertson and yeah, Robertson and Jimenez for uh, Jesus and Laporte. Laporte. Mm. We went with City defence. Mm. Okay, that was Ian's <laughs> suggestion. I didn't put forward a suggestion because yeah. I've been busy, um, and I said to roll it because I had my eyes on a double move for next week. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I don't want to keep taking points hits because that's two weeks in a row that the party oh, is taking points Ian, hits. You, yeah, but Ian, you won one. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Something, exactly. And that makes sense. Oh, that's right. It's not just officially my team. No, since Jesus the, is the season reason plus. for the season. So get ready for a fucking terrible week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fixtures then. So Chelsea play Norwich tonight. Uh, and then we move on to Wednesday is Burnley Wolves, Man City, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton, Villa, Leicester, Sheffield. Palace, Man United, Southampton, Brighton, and the Wobble U Derby on Friday. We do have Saturday, Sunday. There's a limited games, but like we said before, FA Cup. They're all Premier League teams playing there. Oh, yeah. It leads to one of those like sort of slightly extended six-day yeah. game week type things, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And the good thing is that by the time roughly we record again, uh, Palace probably would have lost twice again. So <laughs> you don't care, though. Just, no, but it just kind of at least it compartments it into just one thing um <laughs> chelsea would have played twice maybe chelsea have lost twice and then they'd be about to play liverpool for me i don't have an eye on any of those fixtures as much as the epic obviously chelsea norwich but that already happened for the listeners but chelsea man united on the weekend in the FA cup semi-final is very exciting uh given we i talked about this a while ago when we got the draw but they did the double on us it's just a good measuring stick to see where we're at i hope that we are able to do better than them and win but We'll see. That should be a good one, though. That's going to be like, those two teams are both going to go at each other. There's a real little rivalry kind of building up again that we haven't seen in a long time between those two, so that's nice. Yeah, and obviously Man City are already in the final, so. <laughs> Arsenal. Scenes when it's Chelsea-Arsenal again. <laughs> Chelsea-Arsenal have combined, like, more than half of the last 15 FA Cups? Or yeah, 16 probably, FA Cups? And probably most of the rest are Man City and Man United. Yeah, and then you can like, we have... throw a Wigan in there. <laughs> Why not chuck a Wigan in there? Chuck in a Wigan! <laughs> Football! Yay! All right, then. Well, that kind of wraps us up for this week. Uh, a little two-parter for you there, guys. So, thanks. Enjoy it. May you get all your arrows be green, as I think <laughs> Ian says on his Patreon. Um, and he also says, hey, they're sports fans. That's worth the admission alone. Exactly. Um, you are welcome to join us still on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Mars Offside Pod for free for the rest of the month. Yeah, it'll and be then... free until next season now. Oh, yeah, it will. Yeah. Join us. Freebies. Come on board. Um, see us on the Twitters at Miles Offside Pod. Follow us individually if you want. But if you tweet me about Crystal Palace, literally won't see it. Muted <laughs> it for 30 days. Uh, thanks a lot for recording. Thanks, Oscar. <laughs> yep, thank you. Oh, speaking of Patreon, actually, I should say. Uh, the Avengers 11 soccer team 
pod special with me and yeah. my wife Emily talking for an hour, taking it way, way too seriously as far yeah, as what the best eleven. Shocked. Have you have you guys listened to that one yet? Not Twenty yet. fucking minutes of oh well, you can't have that. Oh, you can't have that. Oh, you can't. <laughs> Like what do we? I mean, do we allow heroes? Just villains? No villains. Villains that have come good. Can they use their powers? Well, no, they can't use their hands. Obviously, they can't use their hands. Oh, Spider Man on the wing? What wing? Like that matters. I what? can't wait. That was my favorite. When she goes, which wing? I was like, left wing, I guess. <laughs> it's Spider Man. Who cares? You'd like to think that superheroes are probably two footed. <laughs> yeah, hope so. You know, at the very so least. Check that out on the Patreon if you guys want. And thanks, Ian, for editing this shambles down. No worries. As ever. And being here on time. <laughs> for once. Thanks um, for once. I do one time. One time I turn up late. Fucking hell. That's all it takes. Yeah. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Take care. And bye-bye. Miles Offside is a Nate Whittam production.